Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. Here are Bob and Richard. Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. Our guest today is part two of our interview of Houston Curtis, whose book, Billion Dollar Hollywood Heist, The A-List Kingpin and the Poker Ring that Brought Down Tinseltown, gives us a very different version of what has been known as Molly's Game. Houston, welcome back to Gambling with an Edge. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back again. Okay, I forgot to say it last week, but uh, both Richard and I highly recommend this book. Where can people get it? Great. So uh, <laughs> I launched a book during the only time uh, in known history where every bookstore in the country is closed. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you're <laughs> but, just a bundle uh, of good luck these days. Yeah, it's just one bad beat after the next. Uh, but, uh, thankfully it's still somehow people are finding it. Um, uh, Amazon uh, might be back in stock by now. Uh, they ran through the first printing. Uh, so we are sending people over to Barnes and Noble. Uh, but if you go to my website, if you go to cardsharp.com and that's cardsharp with a K, uh, I have a direct link to it, uh, to the Barnes and Noble site, which I know has them in stock, and I get like uh, an extra forty three cents on the affiliate dollar if uh, <laughs> people buy it from there. <laughs> there you go. Yes, road to riches. You get it. You get a couple of those, and you're up to eighty six cents. Hey, I might even be able to buy a cheeseburger when now uh, the restaurants open back up again. And we will, of course, link to your website and the book and all that once uh, I, I'm in the show notes for the for both episodes. Great. Now, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, is cardshark.com the best way? I would say so, yeah. You can go to Cardsharp uh, or email me at, uh, you're going to love this, stacked at cardsharp.com. That is Cardsharp with a K. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> so at the end of last week's show, briefly, Jamie Gold's name got mentioned. Yep. What was it like playing with him? Well, one one thing I will say about Jamie is this was the uh, the game was already you know the biggest game in the country for sure by the time Jamie got there, 
there was one game in New York we heard that played about as big, but they only played once a month. Uh, Jamie made the game play even bigger. Um, he kind of took that, uh, you know, his, his bluffing persona to heart and, uh, he would just, he cranked up the action, uh, something fierce and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and, uh, we, we had a good time with Jamie. So was this back when he still had the money he had won? It was, it was. And, uh, and, you know, we, 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 we definitely benefited from that. Uh, uh, but hell, Jamie, you know, one thing, he wasn't shy about ordering like a $3,000 bottle of wine, uh, or something <laughs> at the table. Uh, you know, he, he, he just kind of played like he was a billionaire and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I'll never forget I, this one hand with him. He had been, uh, you know, you talk about using a little bit of, you know, advantage play or whatever you want to call it. Jamie had been flashing his cards and I was sitting in a spot where I could see him and, uh, and he flashed his cards and I, and, uh, the flop, came, I saw he had a six, seven offsuit. The flop came out eight, nine, ten. And, uh, I had nothing. I had like Jack Deuce. Um, oh no, it wasn't Jack Deuce. I had like, uh, Queen Deuce or something like that. No, no, uh, maybe a gut shot at best. Um, anyway, uh, uh, uh no, it didn't, it wasn't eight, nine, ten. Uh, let, let me, let me repeat the story. So the, I, I see Jamie's cards. He's got a six, seven offsuit and the flop came out eight, nine blank. All right. So he had an open ended straight draw and I had a Jack high. That was what the hand was. And everyone else had folded. Um, cause Jamie had made a big bet, but I saw his cards. So I was in, I just came in and popped him and, uh, he smooth called me. And, uh, and then the turn, uh, comes and it's a, it's a rag, total rag. And Jamie just pushed all in. And I'm like, how do I make the call without it looking weird? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So I, uh, he had been betting open enders a lot through the night and by the time I was done talking, I was going to make it seem like he'd been betting them every hand, like he, he had it open. <laughs> so I, I got up and I said, Jamie, I, I put you dead on, I, I'm like, I'm just going to own it. You know, I put you dead on six, seven. You've been betting open-ended, uh, straight draws like this all night. I call and I turned over Jack high and the whole table stood up like and gasped. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jamie was like, damn Houston and he turned over the six seven and you know we ran it out and I won but I was like I guess the only way I can call is I gotta just oversell the you know craziness of <laughs> being able to read his hand you know like Daniel Negreanu or something and uh and that's what I did and I never told him it was because he was flashing his cards but uh uh <laughs> that was 
it was only uh it was only like a forty or fifty thousand dollar pot, you know, uh they got much bigger as the night went on, but um Well he still had some outs to beat you. Why not just throw it away? I mean a your edge on uh, the hand isn't that enormous and and B it may I, I, I also had a flush draw too, so oh. <laughs> You know, I but I wouldn't have called with just a flush draw normally, but I had a flush draw and two overs, uh, or no, one over. I had a flush draw and an over card, uh, and I thought it would just be fun to to stir up the night a little bit, and, and I ended up being right because the game went wild that night. <laughs> Ultimate bet, Russ Hamilton. Yes, sir. Um, you got kind of inadvertently caught up in that, and that screwed you around. Tell us about that. Before we even get to the ultimate bet part, first was the ultimate blackjack. How did that come about? Uh, ultimate blackjack tour, for me, started when, uh, a young man named Casey Thompson, who I'm sure you guys know. Uh, he, he started All In Magazine. Uh, he had partnered with Russ and Casey and I had spoken, uh, right around the time I had launched, um, the Phil Helmuth DVDs, the Poe Constructional DVDs. Uh, that's when we had first met and he knew I was a television producer and I guess Russ had, you know, been looking for a television outlet for this new game. And so he uh, had a meeting with me and uh, John Moonves, who John had was my entertainment attorney, but he had also partnered with me on the poker DVDs because he was a, he's a great poker player. And, uh, um, you know, we both had a passion for poker. So, uh, so we met with Casey and Russ and it all started there. And, uh, you know, the wild ride, uh, would, uh, you know, get really big and really weird from that point forward. Yeah, that whole thing was awfully crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I was, um, in Aruba for the, you know, for the event, uh, the night that the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act got signed. And yeah, I was there. I produced, I produced the show there and the, uh, Ruba Poker Classic, the poker. Yeah. And, uh, uh man, it was like a funeral, uh, when that happened. Oh, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. We were, we were on top of the world before that, you know, and, uh, that, uh, I mean, I think we, we pulled in like 750k new player signups in week one when the first show aired and, I mean, it was off to the races. You know, the ratings were great. The show looked great. And, uh, and, and then, and then it was like, you know, just the world started collapsing. Um, and now where were you in Molly's game at that point? Was that, st- was that still going on when that was happening? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was playing in the game. I'd been playing in the game since I think we started the game in 2005. So, uh, you know, uh, UBT was like 2006, 2007. Um, yeah. We we produced three seasons. We ended up only airing two, but we produced three. 
So, okay, but so that collapsed, and then the cheating scandal happened at Ultimate Bet, and somehow your name was attached to it. So tell us about that. Yeah, that sucked, especially for a guy with, you know, you now know my, my true background. Then it was, you know, of course, a complete secret, and it's the last thing in the world I ever wanted to get out. It would have been, you know, devastating. And I wake up one day, uh, I get a call from John Mundes and he's like, are you sitting down? I was like, oh God, what? And he said, well, he said, Wicked Chops Poker, uh, has just ran a kind of a front page on their site thing saying, is Houston Curtis the cheater behind ultimate bet account H underscore Curtis? And then they went on to say how, we're not saying he is, but we know he's really thick with Russ Hamilton. He's the executive producer of the Ultimate Blackjack Tour, and it sure seems fishy, blah, 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 blah. Well, we got him to take it down that day um, just by threatening him with all kinds of legal, you know, <laughs> lawsuits and stuff. But it didn't matter. You know, at that point, every other side had picked it up, and, uh, you know, so now I, my name was associated with, this list of names that were being looked at in terms of this, uh, God mode, uh, that, uh, Russ was, you know, allegedly <laughs> charged with using. Um, and you know, it really uh, sucked for me. And then of course it got worse and I'm sure you'll have a follow up question. So I'll just let you ask it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so you were not using the account, right? This was an account that had been set up for you at some point? I, I was using the account, but I was using it for what, uh, just what Russ had, Russ gave everyone in the company an account. I think he put $2,000 in everyone's account and he just wanted people to play uh, Elimination Blackjack, um, you know, cause we were skinned with UB. And when we launched, we had that site, Bet21, which was really the gambling site, and PlayUBT was the free site, and, you know, you know how all that stuff worked. The the show was like a, you know, a well-disguised infomercial for for the, the gambling, for the game, online gaming company. And right. so he wanted everybody to be familiar with the game, and so we, you know, would... uh we would go on and play, uh, but I w- had never been a big online poker player, um, because I never felt I had enough of an edge. <laughs> and so I, I didn't play much, uh, but it was technically my account and, um, well, I don't know how much more I want to say. There, there may have been some, you know, Deposits made to that account in relation to, uh, uh, the show at some point. I don't remember, uh, but, uh, where, you know, Russ would, would put some money into that as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, seeing me in person and, uh, uh, you know, cause he knew I was basically a professional poker player anyway, so I had a, I had to write off uh, wins and losses on a Schedule C uh, regardless. So there was some money transferred through there, but I knew nothing about anything that was going on. And uh, and when I was finally made uh, 
you know, privy to it. Uh, when Russ finally told me a little bit about it, um, you know, I, I had heard about, you know, Travis. So I don't know how much you guys know about the story. No, actually, that was my question is, Russ has always claimed it wasn't him. Um, yeah, well, Russ had a guy who, who, uh, named Travis who basically <clears throat> did everything for Russ on a computer. You know, I, I, I won't say Russ is computer illiterate, but, um, this guy Travis was a computer genius. So he had all of Russ's passcodes, all of Russ's stuff. Uh, you know, whenever Russ needed anything done on a computer, Travis would do it. And, uh, you know, it, it, just think of it this way. We know that Russ Hamilton is one of the, is a world class, uh, gambler, right? Uh, and some may say hustler. You know, you get on a golf course with him, you're gonna lose. You play liar's poker with him, you're gonna lose. Uh, you play poker with him, you know, you, you're probably gonna lose. Uh, you're a blackjack table at a casino, you know, they, they don't want him there. Um, so, a guy that's that smart, um, you know, it just didn't make sense to me that he would uh, put himself in a position to create any kind of pattern that would, uh, uh, if he was involved, that would have um, come back on. But if someone else had the account, I could, and they weren't as a world class gambler like Russ, and they were greedy, and they wanted to get in and make some dough for themselves. Well, I could see how that might have screwed some things up for them. Uh, I, I, I don't know the, the all the truths of it. I don't want to know, uh, but I, I know this. One thing I'll say about Russ, because a lot of people, you know, uh, they they they're quick to to make up their minds. Russ is an old school guy. You know, I, I was sitting at the fix with him at Blasio once and a guy brings up a, a $10,000 stack that I guess somebody owed Russ. And this kid ran it over to him and Russ was counting it out. And I have a habit whenever someone's counting money, I count along. It's just something I've always done. So I counted as he was counting and I counted 9,900 is a hundred short. And before he could even say anything, I said, Russ, it's a hundred short. And he just looked at me and said, Houston, everybody's got to make a living. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the kind of the, the hustler's mentality. And, uh, there are so many guys that were doing so much shady stuff during that whole thing that I'm sure that, well, I know Russ could have ratted out, <laughs> but he didn't, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, he, there's a certain type of integrity that comes with, uh, you know, even, you know, what do they say, uh, honor among thieves? Um, uh, Russ owes me, you know, the UVT owed me a lot of money. I lost, I lost a fortune. Uh, but I just have a feeling that somewhere down the road, uh, that he, he he'll find a way to make good on it. That's just my gut. Um, you know, I, I find that so many uh, people who cheat are such morons about it that, <laughs> I mean, um, and, you know, you bring up a good point. I, I would think that if Russ were going to cheat, he wouldn't have been so stupid about it. 
Um, yeah, he's, he's too smart. Yeah, there's this guy in Northern California, you know, where the card room was doing a TV show and the guy was getting a feed of the oh, RFID. Yeah. And it's, again, like, if people were smart about these things, they could just make millions and millions of dollars over years. But it seems like I know many, uh, not many, but I have run into a lot of cheats over the course of my career. And there are a lot of them that just never want to lose. Not only do they not want to have a losing session, they don't want to lose a hand. You know, it just. Um, yeah, greed can get the best of you. But, you know, I think at the same time, it's the guys who who lay low, who don't want the exposure, uh, that, <laughs> that uh, you know, that they are out there beating the games, you know, left and right. Whether it's from just, you know, guys who are rounders and good players and you know have no i no desire to be famous they just want to go crush their normal set of games up to guys who are hitting casinos for millions uh but playing it smart yeah i um, mean i know of a guy who was marking cards for 40 years and they never they the only way they finally caught him was by entrapping Right. You know, I, I mean, so the guys who were smart about it are probably still out there doing it and have never been caught. Um, were they laying I, paper I mean, down in a casino? Yep. Yeah. That's, and in that's the highest, the highest levels of poker, which yeah. uh, eventually uh-huh. I, I do want to talk about cheating in poker, but, um, I, before we get to that, I want to ask you, do you have any worries? Do you have any, uh, legal problems still and, and or do you have uh, worries about either legal or otherwise about the repercussions of what you've written in the book? No, I, I um, you know what, I, I, I never wanted to write this damn book. I, you know, I was approached to write it around the time Molly was writing hers, and uh, and I needed the money. But I guess I didn't need it that bad because at that time it was they were talking about like a six figure advance, which now would sound great <laughs> because uh, I ended up doing this book, you know, all for back end. I, I, I there was no advance, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know if uh, I would have even been offered a, a huge advance if I would have demanded one. I, I just kind of went with the the team that I thought would be best to put the book out. And, um, I just wanted to tell the truth, Richard, you know, I, I hated seeing, and it's not like in the, in the big scheme of things, no one cares about, you know, the movie Molly's game, but there's a group of people like us and, you know, people in our circle, in our world that it matters to. And, uh, and, Toby will never admit it. He'll never admit it. But I know it matters to him. And, you know, he, no one likes to be portrayed as a cheapskate and a, uh, you know, uh, just a nasty person. I mean, this guy made her a millionaire for, for serving cocktails. Never gave her a tip less than a thousand dollars in her life. And he gets made out to be the biggest jerk on the planet. Oh yeah. He comes off as a total asshole in the book. Yeah. And I just thought, man, it just didn't seem right. You know? So I, I told the truth and sometimes that truth, you know, might've not always looked great 
but it was the truth at least. And uh, you could have very easily left out your kind of cheating background because it really didn't have much to do with Molly's game. Why? Why did you decide to include that? I, I, you know, I felt like if I'm going to tell the truth, I might as well tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. (laughs) And the fact is, I never would have got to that game without my past. You know, without the ability to sit and play in in, uh, Fast Company and to 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 uh, uh, beat uh, crooked games and and mobbed up games and you know, uh, hell, I. In my mid-twenties, I walked into a, a bust-out joint that was being set up in my own loft building. And uh, by the end of the night, I was dealing. <laughs> yeah, that story's in the book. It's a good story. <laughs> uh, and, and I just felt like, you know what, it's time for me to – because I didn't want to ever be considered a hypocrite. Like, if it ever did come out, then it's like, oh, Houston claims he told the truth. Well, he didn't. he didn't really tell the truth because – Guess what? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just decided I'm going to own it. I'm retired from poker anyway. I had a heart attack. I damn near died. Uh, I, I don't need the, the headache. Now, you know, when I talked to Russ, he's like, Houston, you're a hustler. Go hustle. Don't write a book. Quit writing that book. <laughs> <laughs> Quit writing All right. Book. <laughs> We're going to talk to Houston about the, how the game ended. And disastrously for him and some other people, right after a few commercials. At South Point has more than 10,000 gains, returning more than 99%. This is more than anyone else has. The South Point is closed now with basically every casino in the world. Predicted.org is a market where you can place small bets on the occurrence of various political Events, mostly but not entirely in the United States. The most active markets now are who's going to be the nominees for the elections and who will win. Gambler with an edge listeners receive a one-time offer of a deposit match up to $20 at predicted.org slash promo slash edge. You must pay the money through once and cannot withdraw it for 30 days. At videopoker.com, it's the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get corrections on most of the games. The game of the week is Triple Play Dream Card. Dream Card is a 10-coin per line game where periodically you receive a Dream Card, which is substituted for the best available card before the draw. There's no special strategy required, and the feature adds EV over whatever the base game paid. There are actually two versions of Dream Card out there. They look the same at the outset. You can look at the help screen for for how often you get the Dream Card. In one version, the Dream Card comes more often and is just a natural card. The other version, the dream card comes less often, but whenever that happens, three hands are dealt in the background that you can't see, and you get the best one. So uh, it doesn't much matter which one you play. 
but it'll be a different experience as to how often you get the dream card and but your return will be approximately the same. We're now back to Houston, Curtis, talking about the the game in Hollywood. Now hello, hello. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh there's this hedge fund manager who had a gambling problem and you ended up having to pay for it. How did that all happen? Uh the first time I met Brad Ruderman, uh, was actually out at Rick Solomon's, uh, beach house. He, I think he had leased a, a place for the summer out in Malibu. And Toby and I went out there for a, a game that was off our normal schedule. You know, it wasn't our game and Brad happened to be there. And, uh, <laughs> And we immediately recognized him as someone we needed in our game. So we, we got him in our game. And I'll never forget, it was actually, it was a hand with Rick, uh, where he, he, Rick goes all in on the river on a stone bluff. He had nothing, no pair, he had jack high. And, and Ruderman snap called it. This is on the river, mind you, not not the turn, not <laughs> not the flop. Snap called him, and, and someone's like, ah, you got me. I just got jack high. I was bluffing. And he turns over his hand, and he had jack high also. <laughs> so all he had was jack high. So Toby and I look at each other, and we're like, oh, man, we, we've got a live one. And a few weeks go by, and, I mean, this guy was just losing and losing and losing, like, huge numbers. So we pulled him aside and we said, Hey man, you know, maybe you should think about, uh, getting some books or, you know, Houston's got some DVDs he produced, you know, <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah. In the, in Molly's game, the movie, they make it, Molly takes the credit for that. Uh, and Jessica Chastain in the film has a conversation with him about trying to give him a poker tutor. That never happened. It was me and Toby who did that. So she just kind of took our story there. And, um, he didn't seem to care. And, uh, uh, we had three hedge fund guys in the game and it was John Brooks and Mike Baxter. Every time you ask those guys, hey, how's the, how's the market? They're like, Oh, you don't want to know. It's brutal. But every time you asked, uh, yes, Brad, Oh, we're up another 2%. You know, he was always up. And I just thought he was some kind of an idiot savant because he was the worst poker player I've ever seen. He was like a gift from Zeus. <laughs> Zeus carved him out of clay and made him come to life as the world's biggest donkey. <laughs> and he lost six figures. I don't ever remember him losing less than six figures in a night. And he never won. He ne- I don't think he ever had one winning session. Wow. Uh, and that's almost, you know... I mean, I'd like to figure out the odds on that, but he never had one winning session. He played, you know, a few years, you know, and uh, I guess we had got him for about five and a half million total. And for whatever reason, a lot of his checks ended up going, went to me, like close to a million dollars of his checks, 750,000, I think, went to me. It was probably because... You know, I never, 
you know, if we had a guest who was playing who won, we'd want them to get paid that night. And, and Ruderman never brought a check with him. He always paid like two days later. And since, you know, it was, uh, it was either going to be me or Toby that was going to take the check. And I knew Toby wasn't going to take it. So I just took it. And, uh, so when all this came out, um, you know, I, 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 I was sitting at Alec Gore's house and, and the game had already kind of, we'd already booted Molly to New York, which we can backtrack and talk about, but, but, uh, Ruderman was sitting there when the market was just before the market was about to crash. And apparently it's true what they say, billionaires, uh, <laughs> they get all the, uh, good juicy information because I just remember Casby sitting there and hearing Alec Gore's the billionaire say, Hey, uh, Brad, he had 10 million with Brad in his fund. He said, my, my team's telling me that I should be pulling out of, uh, you know, any, any kind of funds right now, um, based on the analysis of where the market's going. So I'm going to need to pull that 10 million. And, uh, and then I didn't think much of it. And Brad's like, yeah, I'll have that for you, you know, by the end of the week. Well, two weeks later, Brad was in prison. And, uh, I think when they got him, he had about half a million left. And, then they, they, you know, they went to shake down Molly over some of the stuff she was, you know, she'd been started raking games at that point in New York, uh, in a game that we handed her, by the way. She makes it seem like she was just fired. Our game moved to Alex's house, you know, a billionaire's house. So Toby did the right thing, and we had this guy, New York Cliff, come in and play, who was from the New York game. And Toby made the introduction and said, you should, you, you should have Molly start hosting your game. So th- that's another reason I wanted to write this book. You know, she makes it look like Toby, you just fired her and told her to screw off and took her livelihood. When in fact, he served her up New York on a silver platter and handed it to her. And, you know, for her to say anything less than that, just, I don't know, seems, seems criminal. But, Anyway, when they shook her down because she was raking games, she gave up all of our names. They, they they basically gave her some leniency on the other crap that she was involved with in exchange for naming all the guys who had played with Ruderman and, and how much money each one of us had taken off of them. Well, for me, it was 750000 and they don't care, as you guys know, in theory, that could have been, you know, I could have gotten a $50,000 check from him one night and lost a hundred thousand to him the next night. Now that never happened, but they didn't check the books at all. They just looked at numbers and apparently there's some bankruptcy loophole that allowed them to come after everyone he had paid because technically he was paying us with stolen money. You know, so the estate was coming after us and what made it weird was Alec was on both sides of it. Alec Gore is the billionaire, had 10 million in his fund, but also had won money from him in the game. You know, so Alec put together, tried to get everybody. Toby didn't do it. And a few guys got their own attorneys, but I was already kind of going bust at that time. You know, this is on the tail end of everything and the world was about to collapse. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go in with you because he was going to pay the first 80 grand in attorney's fees. Well, that 80 grand was eaten up in two conference calls. <laughs> Apparently they're really good attorneys. And, uh, and then I read the fine print, uh, that said whoever carried the biggest debt would carry that portion percentage wise of the ongoing attorney's fees. 
and I thought, oh man, you know, what a, <laughs> you know, there, so I, I just backed out and I, I, you know, some guys settled for 50 cents on the dollar, some for 65. I couldn't settle at that point because of the other things that had happened in my life with, you know, my, my business, you know, distribution companies were going under. I mean, it was 2008, you know, the, the market had already crashed. My $3 million house was worth, you know, 1.1 million. So they put another $750,000 lien on my house. And, uh, you know, at that point I was in like a, uh, I went into a massive state of depression. Depression, it wasn't long after that I ended up having a heart attack and died on the table over Cedar Sinai. You know, uh, my master plan was going south, guys. <laughs> it's going way south. How's your health today? By some kind of miracle, when I finally got out of LA, you know, I moved to LA with nothing and was a self-made millionaire by the time I was 30. I was a multimillionaire, uh, in my early forties. Um, by like, I don't know, it's probably like 45 or so. I, I'd lost everything. I was literally, I'd borrowed 15 grand from John Moonves just to get out of, back to Illinois. And, uh, you know, I was having, uh, for the first time in my life, asking relatives to, to help me invest in projects that I needed to finish. And, you know, it was, it was desperate times. And, um, and I got there, I was, when I left, I was told I had five years to live. They, they told me I literally needed to get my affairs in order. My heart was functioning at, uh, it had gone down from like 25% to like 22%. It was getting worse. And, uh, it was cardiomyopathy, heart disease, and none of the medication that they had given me, it seemed to improve it at all. And, and I think that was the first time it really hit me, you know, how real it was. And that was like in a year, at least a year if not two years after the actual initial heart attack. And, um, and you know, I went in a massive depression and, and woe is me, you know, kind of zone. And they ended up, I, I couldn't sleep. I had nightmares and uh, my family was off in Boston and I'm back in Illinois. Uh, couldn't even afford it. health insurance. I was on like, you know, government aid health insurance. And, uh, and I started writing this book. And, and the, the more I got into this book, you know, the more kind of my spirits, I felt like I was, you know, not like I was back in it, but, you know, I, I was in a good headspace when I was writing the book. And the doctor had changed up my medication a little bit, you know, some country doctor, not one of these big fancy Hollywood Beverly Hills doctors that I'd been seeing. And, uh, I get a call one day and the nurse was crying and I thought, man, this is going to be bad. And, uh, because everyone in my little small town kind of knows me. And she said, Oh, I'm sorry, Houston, but there's good news. We need you to come in right away. And, and I went in and the doctor, uh, said, he said, well, I don't know what to tell you, but it looks like we beat it. And I'm, I said, what do you mean? He said, your heart is back to normal. Somehow your heart is functioning, uh, it's as healthy as mine. And I don't know, man. I just, I think it was, it was, uh, it was a miracle. And, 
you know, it was definitely a long shot. <laughs> it was, it was a longer shot than the one outer that Rick Solomon had hit me with for a million, uh, that I would ever recover. And so I started living life again, like I had a future and, uh, and you know, that's what I'm trying to do now. And so now you are doing the website and do you have uh, other projects going on? I've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I'm writing another, uh, so billion dollar Hollywood heist, as you know, out everywhere. Uh, I'm going to be doing some other stuff in relation to that. We're already talking to, you know, uh, agents and companies about film rights, possible television series, um, and some other things related to it. Uh, I've also for a long time, probably, but actually before I even started writing billion dollar Hollywood heist, I started writing million dollar mechanics. And started talking to Anthony Curtis about it. And, and he read a sample of it, showed it to some, you know, uh, people he trusted and, uh, came back and said, wow, you are the real deal. <laughs> and I said, I told you. <laughs> and so we're, we're, so we're doing that and I'm really excited about that. Uh, so I built cardsharp.com with a K, uh, to kind of be the, um, you know, the, the the video version of that. I'm I'm doing free tutorials on on my YouTube channel, which you can you know you can get to by going to my website. And uh, I'm starting to do uh, private you know lessons, Skype lessons uh, with. I have students from all over the world right now. Um, so it's it's pretty exciting. Now, one thing we haven't talked about yet, Hollywood is known for, among other things, pretty girls and drugs. Did any of that go on in the game? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, – now, one, one thing I will say, um, uh, Toby was very adamant about trying to keep – um, too much, you know, shenanigans away from him personally, because he didn't want to be associated with any scandal. And unfortunately, that backfired on him in a big way. But, uh, um, you know, he was always, he never wanted to be associated with a scandal. Uh, but, uh, you know, those, when the girls come in, it's usually later at night anyway, and Toby was always the first to leave when he was up. And, uh, yeah, I saw some crazy stuff. I mean, there was a record producer who had two hookers. He would keep them, uh, like two doors down at the four seasons. And he was throwing the whole party for the game. And he would, he would take a break. He would go down. He'd be gone for like 30 minutes. And then he'd come back and then he'd dump some more money and then he'd be gone for 30. And we'd literally just sit there waiting for him. And, uh, at one point, and I knew what he was doing, but at one point I'm like, dude, where are you going? What's so important that you gotta leave the game? And he's like, oh, I didn't tell you, dude? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've got two hookers in there that are snorting, uh, blow off my, you know what? <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I'm not gonna miss that. So yeah, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, after parties started happening, you know, Molly started partying a lot. Um, one guy, I think, brought two twins once. I had never seen that. 
But a really funny story, a celebrity based kind of story is, uh, when we were still at the Viper Room, right before we were going to the Four Seasons and the Beverly Hills Hotel, uh, um, Joe Francis was in the game. Uh, you guys know who he is? The Girls Gone Wild creator? He yeah. created all the, yeah, I know, all those, I, I know yeah. the, I know what Girls Gone Wild are. Yeah, well, Joe was like a, kind of like a big kid. He made a bunch of money at a young age with this Girls Gone Wild and, you know, he was in with the whole Hollywood crowd. He, you know, he would always be running with the Paris Hiltons and the, you know, all the it kids of Hollywood or whatever. And we're playing one night and, uh, Mary Kate Olsen, I think it was whichever one had the drug and rehab issues. I think it was Mary Kate. If it was Ashley, you know, they're twins. I mean, I can't remember and I never really followed them, but the, the one who is more of the partier shows up, I believe it's Mary Kate Olsen. And, uh, she, and we never let people watch, but you know, when uh, another celebrity, you know, wants to watch, I guess it's okay. And, uh, as soon as she got there, Joe Francis is like, Hey, how you doing, baby? And she said, do I know you? And he immediately said, well, you sure knew me when you were snorting blow off my cock in the limo. <laughs> and I mean, a hush went through the room. Oh, bet. Yeah. Every, it was like dead silent. Like, you know, it was a gasp. And then about five seconds seemed like the longest five seconds ever. Toby started kind of uncontrollably laughing under his breath. He was like, <laughs> and then I looked at him and I, burst out laughing that everyone was laughing and she stormed out, you know, upset, obviously. And it was just one of those moments that could only happen, you know, uh, <laughs> and it, it seems like it would happen in a movie, but, uh, it was very funny. It was very funny. You know, I'm interested in, um, because of your background with, uh, card manipulation, you you mentioned a few incidents where you were suspicious of games that you were in, not Molly's game, but uh, other games that you were in. And I'm just wondering how much cheating you ran into out there in in L.A. or in in games in Vegas. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much, and I don't say this in uh, I, I'm the most uh, uh, non-racist. Uh, person from the Midwest, at least, that you'll ever meet. Uh, but every game that I played in, whether Russian or Armenian, to my, to my uh, recollection, was crooked in, in Los Angeles. I'd never played in one that where there wasn't something going on in the game that wasn't crooked. And, uh, sometimes I would be partnered with the right people on that, but a lot of times I was a lone wolf in these games. And, uh, I, I could assess the situation pretty quickly. And I'll never forget one night I, I was playing with, uh, these Russian guys. And, um, I'm not gonna say any names, but I was playing with these Russian guys. And they were like low level guys. They weren't like big, you know, Russian mob guys, but they were obviously kind of, at least thought they were mobbed up to some degree. Um, and they were doing, they were, they were, you know, there was like three of them. I could, I could, I, I could tell after about two orbits who was in on the scam. So I was pretty much playing straight up poker, but I was, I was, they weren't using a shuffle master and 
the dealer didn't look like he he uh, could handle the deck very well, but I knew that there was, you know, definite collusion going on in some limited knowledge like riffle stacking and stuff like that. And whenever I saw it, and, and you know, if you know how to look for these things, you can spot a guy who's doing a bad riffle stack, you know, you spot it every time and you just fold your hand. Um, so I did a holdout. I, I, you guys know what a holdout is? You I do. put a card up your sleeve. Uh, yeah, basically I palmed, I palmed off in, in, a, in like a gambler's cop, um, uh, position, uh, two cards, uh, that I held back from, from the muck. I, it was actually, I held them back one at a time from different hands. And, um, but I didn't want to have them in my hand that long. I was ready to, you know, uh, do a switch, put them in play. And then when I went to muck, I was going to muck all four cards, you know? Uh, so I'd held, I'd held out, uh, uh, two aces and, and these guys didn't seem like, you know, super creative guys. So, um, you know, I was just, I was just going to wait for a moment and I, and I probably should have held out, you know, two eights and, you know, just waited to hit a set. But, uh, uh, I held out the aces, uh, in case the set never came and I just needed a big hand to scoop a pot. And, uh, and because I just had balls of steel, I was younger and, you know, I, I, I probably didn't really realize how dangerous it was what I was doing. Um, but I was cocky and confident. And, uh, but as soon as I hold the cards out, uh, this, uh, kind of like waitress walks in and does like a whisper in, uh, the dealer's ear, like she's trying to tell him something. And, and there was like a, a this a deck switch happened. There was a lot of table talk going on and guys got up moving around, moving their hands around. You know, it was like a worst display of misdirection I'd ever seen. And she does a deck switch. So now I'm sitting there holding these two aces. And I can't put them in because they just switched the deck, <laughs> you know. Otherwise, you know, it could right. be like wrong color. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was the it, it, not a deck switch, like a deck change. It was the same color. It, it was basically he had finished shuffling the cards, and she was ringing in a cooler. Oh Jesus! So she's ringing in a cooler, but I'm but I'm doing a hold down. And there was this one other guy there, and I never liked seeing, like, guys who, uh, I don't know, I don't mean to sound like Robin Hood or whatever, like, rob from the rich and give her the poor, but they had a guy in there that was playing way beyond his means, and, and they were just burying the kid. And, I mean, he was about in tears. And, uh, and they were going to go after him. I knew they were going after him on this hand. And, um, and he ends up, he ends up with aces, because uh, <laughs> I, I I I was sitting to his uh, uh, was I to his left? I think it was I was to his right, and I saw his cards all night. And he was just so bad. He, you know, he he held his cards up. You know how an amateur does, and um, they they did, and one of the aces was the same one of the aces that I had. <laughs> So I thought I'm going to save this kid some money and I'm going to play this hand because I know he's not going to let go of those aces. So I played it and 
we turned the hand over, and as soon as we did, there's if someone yelled, "Oh, it's the chop pot!" and I was like, "Wait a minute, what the f's going on here, guys? There's two ace of diamonds in this deck," and they start, you know, uh, mumbling, and one guy's like, "No, there isn't. No, there isn't." I'm like, "Look," and then I started making a huge stink about it, and one guy, one guy stood up and kind of got my face a little bit, and he had a gun. He didn't pull it out or anything, but uh, you, you could, you know, you could see that he was, he was packing a gun. And I just said, look, I want my money back. I think you should give this kid his money back and let's just call it a night. And, uh, uh, you know, I said, otherwise, you know, give me this, you know, decide who's going to win this, uh, uh, this pot. You know, because I, I want, to, it was like a $20,000 pot. I was like, I, I want at least half the pot. Um, they, uh, they stopped the game. They told me to leave and I just said, screw it. And I, I, I left. I don't know what happened to the kid. You know, I don't know if I did him a favor or not, but three or four days later, I, I started getting followed and they, these guys followed me all the way from my office to my house. And I, I was like, oh, man. And I got out. And this is like a nice house, like in Sherman Oaks. Like, literally, I, I've got Pink. The rock singer Pink lives two houses down. Melissa Joan Hart, the Sabrina the Teenage Witch, lives across the street. Saul Sachs, the guy who created Bewitched, lives, like, right across from me. It was a nice little area. Uh, not the kind of area where you'd see, like, mobbed up Russians. <laughs> and uh, they get out of the car as soon as I pull up. And they walked up to me. And I was like, you know, I saw my life flash before my eyes. And the guy said, you left the game. You forgot something. And I, I said, what's that? And he reached out and he handed me $10,000. And I just said, well, thank you. And he said, no, thank you for never mentioning our game to anybody. <laughs> wow. It was like right out of a movie. And wow. uh that was probably the scaredest I've ever been in any kind of, a, you know, uh, cheating situation. Uh, but, you know, they, to this, they may, you know, read this and now know that I held out those cards, but they're never gonna, like, I'm not scared those guys would ever come after me because I haven't named their names. And back then, you know, I wasn't really known and there was no one else in the game that I, you know, really talked to on a, real regular basis today you know there's a few guys that you know we all know what that game was and they know no one's going to say anything so i'm not worried they're going to come after me um what would they be coming after me for you know 10 grand the game is probably dead anyway so yeah. we're out of time again this has been a lot of fun <laughs> and houston you're a great interview can't wait till your book with anthony comes out uh thank you guys the we have time for one recommend and this is um this is a while ago by the time you hear this but on april 13th james grossgene published a little article on gamblingwithanedge.com now james grossgene is a magical name mm-hmm. to most of our listeners He's like a unicorn. <laughs> and uh, so if you haven't seen it, 
it's worth seeing it. Uh, as of now, which is three days after that, which is quite a bit before you're going to see this, there's 36 comments, of which about 10 are from James. So people do something and then say something, and then he'll respond to them. And so for a lot of listeners, this is a great dialogue that you probably want to check out. Wow. So that is all the recommends we have time for today. Uh, Houston, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and guys, if anyone, uh, I just want to throw out to your listeners, if anyone has any questions and they want to go on your site and pose them, I will check in and I'll try to answer any anything I, I can. Hot damn. That's yeah, great. That's great. The book, Absolutely. The book is called Billion Dollar Hollywood Heist. By the uh, way, I, I just want to add also, uh, when he says that, he's talking about gamblingwithanedge.com. So a lot of people listen to these shows on different sites, YouTube or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever. But if you want to pose a question, you can't be checking every site for questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. So gamblingwithanedge.com, I'll be there. Yeah. I am. So thank you, Houston. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Go out and hit lots of royal flushes, everybody. Good day.